Howdy! Hello, Jake. Hello, we are back for this one episode while we work on the new season, but still, we're back. Yeah, for this bridge season, as we're calling it. Uh, it's, it's something in between season one and season two, and uh, I don't think we've really missed anything important since the last episode. What was that, October? Yeah, and slow news cycle, I bet. Probably nothing nothing political, nothing government, nothing worldly, nothing really. No, Nothing in the political scene, nothing in the government, nothing like that. Nothing comes to mind. That might be because here at Pickett, we do a unique uh this no no other podcast does this we can claim that i think i think that's true uh we lock ourselves in a bunker while we work on a new season with no connection to the outside world Uh, uh, what all the experts are saying is that if you're if you're running a current events political podcast it's really important that you have no knowledge of what's going on in the outside world and and besides um who needs family or social interaction when you you have a 30-minute political conversation to have that's what's most important amen That's a quote I'll live by. So, coming at you from the picket bunker, we have an episode on a topic Americans are wondering about now more than ever in this present pandemic. How are everyday Americans going to afford and receive the medical services they need? What does the pandemic mean for the future of healthcare in our country? And how tough is the road ahead for Biden going to be? And much, much more. Thanks for joining us for the inaugural episode of season 1.5, or The Bridge. This is Pickett. Now, Lorenzo, you were saying to me earlier, you wanted to retire the Weather in America segment as we come into the new season, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think that all of us kind of agreed that it was time to move past it. And I, I think at this point, we're, we're not going to be hearing more from that, I'm afraid. So Weather in America is over it's it's a true shame uh but i think right now the most important thing for us to do is just move on uh so would you like me to introduce the new segment yeah go ahead i'm 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 excited refreshing new year new segment let's go okay so drum roll please welcome to meteorology of either west northwest southwest south southeast northeast ohio valley central upper midwest and northern rockies and plains oh my god it's weather in america no i i I cannot be more clear about this this is something very distinct and it's it's meteorology of either the either either the west northwest (laughs) just just say the just say the place already just say the place already um okay uh today's first town uh the first one of this new segment i'm very excited is morton's gap kentucky it's a town in Hopkins County. The Hopkins County? Yes, exactly. The county where Prussian Baron von Struben, who trained the Revolutionary Army at Valley Forge, settled. Okay, what's the weather here? For those of you in and around Morton's Gap, Kentucky, uh, expect weather mostly in the mid-40s, sometimes mid-50s as we move into the weekend. Uh, but it's going to be very cold, partly cloudy, and perhaps as we move into Sunday, uh, Monday range, uh, uh, scattered showers. So look out for that. Okay. Let's hop Kins out of the segment. Yeah, that's not funny. It's not cool. Insulting the great name of a U.S. congressman, General Samuel Hopkins, is uncalled for. And I, honestly, I don't think our viewers are going to stand for it. Oh, my God. Okay, fine. Let's introduce our guest today, shall we? Sure. Uh, today's guest is here to speak with us about healthcare in America and also the present coronavirus pandemic. He's an expert on all things 
health-related and all things COVID-related, and he is Andy Slavitt. He headed the Center for Medicaid and Medicare under the Obama administration from 2015 to 2017, has worked at numerous healthcare projects, including United States of Care, helped spread bipartisan awareness about important legislation such as the Affordable Care Act, and now hosts one of our personal favorite podcasts, In the Bubble. And as of January 20th, just one week ago, he took the position of White House Senior Advisor for COVID-19 Response in the Biden administration. Here's the recording of our conversation from a few weeks ago in early January. Take a listen. You know, we've been doing this since uh, the early days of the pandemic, March, April, May, and around the same time you were starting your podcast, right, in, in the bubble. So, so what's that experience been like for you? Can, can you kind of get us started with that? Well, you know, I love, I love podcasting. I'd love to compare notes with you guys at some time, but, uh, you know, it's been a nice way to do a few things. I mean, the, the idea was originally my uh, 19-year-old sons, uh, and we started doing it together. And he just said, Dad, you know, you guys do a bunch of, um, you have a bunch of phone calls every day with people who are doing things around the pandemic, whether they're in the White House or in governors or other people, why don't you just record them and do a podcast? And we kind of landed on a, um, a brand that's sort of, we call it 50% Winston Churchill, 50% Fred Rogers, and 10% dad jokes. It's good. Got to keep those in there. It's an effective formula. Yeah, keep the dad jokes. And, and, and yeah. Yeah, it, it works. Wait, where are you? Because yes. I'm funny. <laughs> that's why. That's what I. But the point of that all is just, just take. You are funny. I'm funny. Well, just, I am funny. We've listened to a lot of the the podcast, and and what you were describing there with capturing phone calls and uh, meetings with these very important people. Uh, it seems like something you've done very effectively on your podcast is capturing this intersection between government and medicine on your show. Recently, you were speaking with Dr. Fauci himself. Uh, about the pandemic. And it, it seems like a lot of people like yourselves who've held very high positions in government have, have really had to serve as educators and communicators for the American public during this time. So, so what's that been like to shift into this educator mode for you? Well, look, I think the public is um, very um, rightfully, has a lot of information coming at them about something very new for us. Um, you know, this is, this is kind of our, our rookie season with pandemics here in the U.S. Um, you know, and but but for the annual flu, which most people don't think about very often, and um, HIV/AIDS, which unless you're in a high-risk group, um, people tend to think about that as someone else's concern. Um, we really haven't had to wrestle with this very um, this reality, which is the reality around the world and has been for quite some time. Uh, so um, people have questions, and ideally there are reliable places for answers. Um, in this day and age, there's a lot of agendas and a lot of misinformation. Um, and so, you know, helping people make sense of things in a kind of Fred Rogers-like way where you can, in a Winston Churchill-like way where you can hear reliable information, you can feel unified, you can feel like you're getting the truth and, and it's helpful. I think is, is, uh, is an important uh, activity. And, and it seems like something that's especially difficult right now when you have an administration that's uh, spurring on this misinformation, has that been difficult to combat? Yes, I think it is. Um, it's not good in a pandemic when you have half the people believing one view of the world and another half viewing the other view of the world. I mean, there's nothing inherently political about, uh, about a pathogen attacking your cell. Um, I mean, that happens to all of us, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, no matter who you support for president. So it's not like you have um, any 
um, real reason for that to happen. But because this spreads um, among all of us, it is, um, it's, it's, it's important that you're unified. It's important that you're pulled together. And I think having a president who has objectively um, uh, not wanted to pull together and not wanted to take accountability for the crisis and not taken seriously the death toll uh, or been able to admit the death toll um, has been hard and it's made it more challenging. It would be challenging under any circumstances, but it's just doubles the challenge. We'll be back with more of our conversation in a bit. In actuality, we have not been in a picket bunker, though we will keep that bit going. Uh, but it's important that we talk about, I mean, the biggest news we can have in politics here. Yeah. Transition of power, right? Yeah. So or- originally for the episode, we wanted to kind of keep that out uh, because the interview was done before even the Georgia election happened. But we thought it would be a good idea to just come back here and do a, a quick little show note to talk about how um, we're still going through a very turbulent time in our country's history and also a major transition of power, uh, in my opinion, for the better. I mean, it's a different thing for, I mean, we're just pot, small podcasters, but I mean, covering the news now and current events are totally different because, I mean, yeah, it's much more a, in my own opinion, a normal presidency that's more typical news you know uh, yeah whereas in the it seems like what we've tried to do uh the whole time while doing this podcast is try and focus on the things that matter focus on long-term plans and on policy and during the trump administration and through all of the craziness that he threw at the american people it was often difficult to do that and now that hopefully we're back to a more traditional administration traditional government we can talk about policy and focus on policy not just as a podcast, but as a people. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get us wrong. I think that there's still, I don't think news bias and ridiculous stories and fallacies disappeared on January 20th. I don't think they're gone. No, they're I- not. Even though we have what, in my opinion, is a much more sane president now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of coverage that needs to happen under the Biden administration. He's not a perfect person. Government's not perfect. So we're still going to have important things to talk about, policy to continue to analyze and pick apart. And uh, we look forward to doing that together, regardless of what the future may bring. Yeah. We're back to our interview with Andy Slavitt to discuss the role he filled in educating the public about the Affordable Care Act, much like he's had to do right now with the coronavirus pandemic. I think, I think the trick in communicating with the public is to try to divorce the politics from what people really feel and experience every day. I mean, nobody likes hearing health, their health care discussed um, by politicians who are so remote and don't understand what it's like to feel vulnerable and you can't get the care you need. So as long as you can approach it like a real person and really listen to people um, and talk to them in terms of what's really going on, um, um, you're going to be doing them a favor, uh, and otherwise you just lose people. Uh, you, you were doing a, a, a town hall program at one point to try and inform people about the benefits of the Affordable Care Act. H- how did that turn out? It was crazy. I mean, I traveled around the country, and I basically challenged congresspeople 
to hold town halls with their constituents. It started because people were refusing to speak to their own constituents. And I would go to, and I said, if you don't want to hold the town hall, that's fine. I'll come to your district and I'll hold a town hall for you. And I talked to some 36,000 people listening to their healthcare stories. And it was really fascinating. And I learned a ton about how much power there is in people's own stories. Mm -hmm. Republicans' efforts for an all-out repeal of the Affordable Care Act have failed. Notably, however, the individual mandate was eliminated. But overall, how has the Affordable Care Act fared during this time under the Trump administration? I mean, it's like the ignored latchkey child who had to fend for themselves. She made life harder and harder for them, but very resilient. So, you know, thankfully, you know, tens of millions of people are still insured. I mean, a few million people lost coverage under Trump, and we're going to have to gain that back. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you think there are any other structural issues that'll be difficult for the Biden administration to repair coming in? Yeah, Biden team's got a lot of work to do. I mean, it's like, it's like they're moving into a house that was in total disrepair, and they get there, and it was even worse than they thought. <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot of work, but, um, you know, no showboating. It's just going to be hard work, you know, putting your sh- shoulder to it. They're not going to have the advantage of a big congressional mandate. They're just going to have to work hard, and they're going to have to sell people, and they're going to have to build consensus. And I think, you know, that, not for nothing, that was that was Biden's model for running for president, to, was to build a unified country, and hopefully he'll have success in doing that. So, so moving into that house that's in disrepair after the uh, Trump administration, Biden's been calling for... Uh, the expansion of Obamacare to include a public option and also a bunch of other repairs. But if he gets his way, if he's able to accomplish everything he wants to accomplish, what do you think the Biden care system is going to look like compared to the existing infrastructure that was spawned under Obama? Well, I don't think that in the near term, that's going to be one of the highest priorities. I mean, his first priority is to help the country recover from the pandemic. And then he's got... um, to build back the economy. He's got a big focus on racial justice. And he has a big focus on um, on, um, on climate. I think that's a lot of priorities. And with only 50-person Senate uh, at best, we'll see today, um, you know, there's not a lot of room to do stuff sweeping. Now, he can do things in the states. I think he'll try to build on the ACA wherever he can. But, you know, it's going to be slim margin and so I don't, I don't anticipate a ton of changes. So looking past the pandemic and continuing to look long-term with healthcare, um, do, do you think that the pandemic is shaping people's uh, perspectives on healthcare and also of the types of models proposed by people like Senator Sanders who are calling for uh, a single-payer universal healthcare system? Do, do you think that it's influencing people's uh, relationship with healthcare models like that? I think it's too early to know um, how people are going to be focusing, you know, what lessons people take away from this. I mean, I think a lot of people will just are eager to get back to normal life and don't want to see a lot of changes. I think there's other people that really want to make the structural changes so this doesn't happen again. It'll be a big debate in our country. Now, shifting gears back kind of to COVID, um, what do you think of the Trump administration's handling of the coronavirus vaccine rollout? Is poor handling in this regard going to affect the Biden administration's performance in the upcoming months? Yeah, look, I think the um, like everything else that, that the Biden team's going to pick up, um, this is being done without any federal leadership, without any federal accountability, and without a real plan. And I don't know how they get it done without a real plan. So, um, 
they're going to have to be see be massive amounts of work done by the Biden team to get this thing out of a ditch because it's mm-hmm. in a ditch. Wrapping up, uh, you've got a new book coming out in March, Preventable. That's kind of a retrospective on the Trump administration's mishandling of this pandemic. Could you tell us a bit about what readers should expect? What I tried to write was an account that was kind of like the big short was to the account of the 2008 financial crisis, which is to say, um, what went wrong? What is it about our country um, that needs to change? And what is the, but in a really a kind of a narrative form, so people can see the stories of the people at work behind the scenes. And I think it's, it's enlightening. And it's not just about presidential leadership, although that's some of it. Some of it is, you know, how do we value freedom versus responsibility to one another? Some of it is, how do we treat people who we call essential workers or frontline healthcare workers differently than, than other people get treated? So there's a lot of underlying things about our country to answer the question, what, why are we so bad at this? We, you know, there were a lot of lo- deaths we could have prevented. Um, but what is it that happened and what do we need to take away from this? Uh, lastly, a question we like to ask all our guests on the show through the lens of your work. Uh, what do you hope America learns from the turmoil of the last year entering into this new year? Yeah, I think we need to hopefully learn why it's better for us to, to not fight over everything and that we can be unified over certain things, even if we disagree over other things. It's just it, we're, we're in a place of such div- divisiveness and misinformation that I hope we come away from this thing realizing that our country is not going to be the country we want it to be unless we can put aside a lot of these differences and even where we disagree, not have to make everything into such a real crazy battle. Thanks, of course, to Mr. Slavitt for coming on the show. It was a real pleasure and he had a lot of very useful knowledge to impart. And as always, thank you, our listeners, so much for your continued support and for listening to Picket. If you'd like to stay up to date at the latest developments here at Picket, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Picket Podcast, no space. You know the drill. Also, if you enjoy the show, make sure to rate the podcast in whatever format you listen. And if you like our intro outro music, make sure to check out I Means Love on Spotify or wherever you stream music. And if you'd like to contact us with any questions or comments, you can visit our website at Picket Podcast. Dot com. And we'll see you next time on the Picket Fence with us.